Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, a week ago we were all excited because we got to talk about the upcoming game. This week I'm all excited because we could talk about a game that's already been played. And boy, did they give us a lot to talk about, didn't they? A lot to unpack from this game. And uh, to me, uh, you just got to remember that Purdue's a pretty good football team. And the success that they had in that game, can some of it can be con- attributed to, to them doing things well and doing things right. To not be so down on, on some of these things. Because in, in, when, when the dust all settled... That's a pretty good win in the grand scheme of things. And that's not even mentioning that Purdue has a really manageable schedule and is probably pretty likely to win nine ga- eight, nine games this year for sure. So th- I think when, when the dust all settles on the season, this is going to look even better uh, with some hindsight. I looked at the season ahead of time, Dusty. I had my Penn State wins, my couple Penn State losses, which I think were the Michigan and Ohio State games. And I came up with three games that I thought were the toss-up games. Two of the three are in the first three games, and one of those being Purdue. And so to come away with a win here, I thought was a huge win for them. However, with that being the case, a lot of Penn State fans are down on this team and really, I think, nitpicking on a lot of items. And I'd like to go over some of them with you. Probably the first one, which is fascinating, The offense, some of the similar problems were there. The running game did not uh, excite anyone. Average, you know, three yards or 3.1 yards per carry. The offensive line was not great. We're hearing a lot of criticisms of Sean Clifford. And his team still put up 35 points. Yeah, that 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 is exactly where I found myself thinking in the couple days since. Like you and I, before we are sitting down here, had a couple extra days to ponder some of these things. And it's like, yeah, you know, and James Franklin said after the game, you know, the consistency and making some more plays to extend drives. And that's absolutely true. Um, to not be so all or nothing when it comes to three and out versus scoring a touchdown. But you know, 35 points is 35 points, and uh, that environment has tripped up other, you know, good programs before, so to do it there is, is pretty good, and um, I was kind of impressed by Purdue's defense. Like, nothing really jumped out to me as, like, a glaring strength, but nothing really jumped out to me as a glaring weakness about them either. So I think it was it was an interesting challenge to go in there and try to um, put up points, and yeah, it, you know, 35 points and, and still have quite a bit to grumble about. So I don't know what people were hoping or expecting, but, you know, if if you would have given anybody this game and 35 points and a win in week one, I feel like everybody who follows Penn State football would have taken that win and that number of points. Um, Absolutely fair criticisms, and there's things to fix, but I think that is even more... Uh, you can look at that glass half full and say that that's encouraging, you know, because of what they were able to do in that output. Dustin, we're going to get to some of the specific players and positions and those issues, but just I want to ask you about the play calling. It feels a little bit like 
the first game a year ago against Wisconsin, and sometimes you just feel like this coaching staff is saying to itself, damn it, we're going to get that running game going come hell or high water. I don't care. We're going to run the ball. Well, if you're just if you're not running it successfully, if it hurts when you do this, don't do it. <laughs> you know, and we saw like late in the game where they said, hey, you know, we've got to get down the field quickly, score. They threw the ball. They went into their two-minute offense and looked fantastic doing it. I don't want to say give up on the running game, but should they, if they're a pass-first team, just kind of go with that. Why not? Yeah, this this was strange, you know, like it, it was it was almost force fed early and then people are wondering where it's at in the second half. And I, it, it does feel like sometimes they're just not really quite sure how to how to mix and match these things. But, you know, to your point, when they went with some up tempo offense, that last drive was so incredibly crisp and well executed uh, that they can continue to do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I felt like, you know. Giving the ball uh, to all those running backs early was more of a big picture thing, both in terms of the game kind of hoping to wear them down, which is, you know, if that was the case, why they got away from it when theoretically the defense would have been more susceptible to the run. I'm not sure. But I also think just in the in the grand scheme of the season to try to get all these guys involved and try to get them reps to help them grow and learn, especially the, the true freshmen. So... You know, it was there wasn't a lot of success there, and and I don't know, you know, before Kevon Lee broke a double digit run late, I think it was 11 yards. Nobody had a 10 yard run. All those big plays, they thought that these guys were capable of delivering. While I'm sure they're still capable of delivering, it, it didn't even come close to happening. So I don't know how to pinpoint where that issue might be. Maybe they would have kept coming if they would have stuck to the run game late. I'm not sure, but it just it, I wasn't sure about you know force feeding it early and then not going to it at all late. Uh, I'm not sure about establishing and maintaining a defined rotation uh, to start a game and, and sticking with that script for a really long time, which seems like what they did. Um, I, I, I do feel like sometimes uh, you got to kind of ride a guy a little bit more, but overall, I, I don't think I had a lot of gripes about that. Uh, a little strange, a little robotic, I think with the, with the run calls, but um, that's something that I, I'm sure they hope to sort out and, and figure it out. But um, I, I, I kind of tip my cap to Purdue's run defense a little bit there, too. I, I think they just didn't give them a whole lot to look at. Let's take a look at some of these individual positions. Let's start where we always do at quarterback. Uh, Sean Clifford was 20 for 37 with several drops, by the way. 280 yards, four passing TDs, one rushing TD for five total TDs and one interception, granted, a bad one, okay? Should we be complaining about his performance? Uh, I mean, it was so incredibly Sean Clifford, and I think that's why people are complaining a little bit, is that there, there was still a, a, a faint hope that Sean Clifford would graduate to the next tier, the next level, that he wouldn't be the same guy. And I think... You know, people saw the same guy. And I think 
for long stretches in the third and into the fourth quarter, these guys weren't doing much of anything. And he looked out of rhythm. He looked out of sorts. He didn't look very good. He had the cramping issue. Then you got to, then you got to look at Drew Aller and it's like the future was here before anybody really thought it was ever going to be. And that made the return of Sean Clifford before he even threw another pass in the second half. It was a disappointment from the get go. Uh, So I think this game, it just, it's so encapsulates what he has done and hasn't done as a Penn State quarterback. And I think, you know, he's going to have good moments ahead. And James Franklin was sure to say his experience made, made a big difference late because it did. Uh, But in the end, I mean, that's a pretty good stat line, especially when you look at the other sideline with a quarterback who's supposed to be better than Sean Clifford, who barely hit 50% completion. So this was just an odd game for the quarterbacks. And Sean Clifford did what he had to do. It's I don't think it's ever going to be 60 minutes of pretty. You know, the only time we've ever seen 60 minutes of pretty from Sean Clifford was that road game at Maryland a couple years ago where they destroyed Maryland as an underdog. We haven't seen four exceptional Sean Clifford quarters since then, but I feel like, you know, if, if two and a half exceptional Sean Clifford quarters uh, or even just two and a half good Sean Clifford quarters amounts to 35 points on the road, boy, I mean, I think you have to appreciate that to some extent, right? I would think so, and yes, I, I realize how awful that interception was. And when I say, except for that, it's you know, the old joke. Except for that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you like to play? I, I get that. If they had lost that game, that would have been the one item you had to talk about and would have been the measuring stick of his performance. But there were enough good things, I think, especially that last drive, of course, But now it leads us to Drew Aller. And we all had the Iowa deja vu feeling there when Clifford, you know, went off the field. What did you see from Drew Aller? It was just one short appearance, but what what was your impression? Oh, I I loved it. You know, I, I think, first of all, you saw him make a throw to Tyler Warren that was dropped that Sean Clifford was not capable of making over one defender in front of another, kind of a flick of the wrist. I also saw him, I think it was on two occasions, but including the third down pass where he threw behind his intended receiver, where he navigated the pocket so, so well. And that's the kind of stuff, like, I, I love the arm talent. I do. I, I also love the fact that he didn't seem to be all that phased by it. You know, everybody was coming up to him, and they, the broadcast was showing him uh, getting, you know, talked to by different people. He didn't look like he needed to calm down a whole lot. So I think all that stuff is great. We know what he's capable of doing with his arm, but then to go out against a big 10 defense and do it, even if it was just for a drive. And certainly he's going to run into some sort of dry spells and some rough moments. I know that, but I felt like his pocket movement was exceptional on those plays. And it's like, that's the, you know, if he's got a feel for that now, he he's going to be really, really good. And I try not to jump to too hardcore conclusions about him because it was a brief appearance. But all that stuff, add it all up, combined with the arm talent, and that was a great early look. I, I also feel like, you know, I think teams have, have had success using their number two quarterback when it's, when it's somebody who clearly has a bright, bright future, uh, you know, more than four games his freshman year. 
you know, everybody knows at this point in time that Drew Aller is your likely starter in 2023. And it looks like James Franklin, by naming him the number two quarterback, was committing to getting maybe saying, hey, this kid's not going to be here for more than three years anyway. Let's get him as many reps as possible so he's ready when that time comes. Because I I do think we're going to see him this week um, against Ohio, and I think we're going to see him more than four games uh, because it, it's great for Penn State. He showed in that game that he's willing to, to kind of uh, – you know, think big picture and rotate a bunch of guys. I think that's going to include Drew Aller moving forward. We're going to see more of him, I feel like. And Dustin, James Franklin, I think, is going to correct a mistake he's made for years, which is not getting his backup quarterback into game. Remember, we'd always talk about it. There'd be a blowout game, and he wouldn't take the starter out. One other note, and I know I'll say this again, but poor Tyler Warren. There were several other guys with drops. But now it's all we're going to hear is Drew Aller, comma, Tyler Warren dropping a pass. Drew Aller did this when he came in. We're going to hear his name and drop nonstop. I, I know that's going to be the case. All right, Dustin, uh, we, we hit on the quarterbacks this segment. We've got a lot more to talk about with this game. So we will pick that conversation up in segment number two. We're going to hit everything. We'll hit Abdul Carter. We'll hit the defense. We'll get to all of it, so stay tuned. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pre-game tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. 
and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galanti along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. And Dustin, a big announcement. Our buddies at New Trail Brewery, they've brought out their whiteout beer. You could call it a loud double IPA. And now you can enjoy whiteout conditions this week with 107,000 of your closest friends. If you're heading out to State College, just stop at WR Hickey. The whiteout beer will be there this week. And I just got to mention this, Dusty. The other announcement, whiteout beer will be at Jim's tailgate this week. How's that? I, I, I love that. So it's, you know, you don't need an official Penn State whiteout to enjoy a whiteout. I love it. That is exactly it. And by the way, I got the early edition of the Whiteout beer. I've got it already here. So I'm ready for my tailgate. And the Whiteout will be showing up at WR Hickey this week. All ready for the opener so you can show off your Whiteout beer to your buddies. I know it's a great name, but try the beer. You'll love it. Trust me. All right, Dusty. We were talking Penn State-Purdue. We got through the quarterback position and the youngster, Drew Aller. The other position with all the talk about the freshman getting in and playing was that running back where true freshman Nick Singleton and Catron Allen, we were told that they were going to play, and they did. They got equal footing, essentially, uh, with Kevon Lee. It was a three-man rotation. What was your impressions from the two freshmen? I I don't know yet. I mean, I, you you could see a different level of energy and and legs, and I think you know those ten game reps will be crucial to help them build their foundation. And I think you know you saw in burst what made Katron Allen a, a really good freshman running back, which is his ability to sort of identify and 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 slip through creases wherever they present themselves. And Singleton, you know, I think. He, he he showed a little bit of that, you know, when James Franklin used to describe Saquon Barkley, it was like every time you touch the ball, you're on the edge of your seat. There was a little bit of that with Singleton. Now, you know, that, that one run goes nine yards, and that was promising, and there wasn't a whole lot of room to work with beyond that, which is, you know, again, I think that bears more watching than the running backs themselves do. What do you have to work with there? So I think that'll be something to watch, especially this weekend against a team that you should be able to push around. Uh, we've said that before. We said it about about Villanova last year. You should be able to push these guys around. So at some point in time, everybody who either runs a football or blocks a defensive lineman needs a feel-good performance. And I and I think everybody hopes it's this weekend. Uh, I think it's just too early to tell. I think there's there's plenty of things to be excited by uh, with the freshman. There's you know I don't think Kevon Lee. You should have ever expected him to be phased out completely. Clearly he hasn't been. And then if Devin Ford can just pick up a key fourth down with every one touch per game he gets, then then everybody wins. And it was interesting. It was obvious as soon as I saw him in the game. Immediately I said, I think they're going to pass the ball to him. Now. I'd like to see him have a package, and I know Devin Ford isn't the main topic of this conversation, but you've got to be careful that this isn't one of those, oh, it's fourth and one, so we know that backup quarterback coming in is going to quarterback sneak. Oh, here's Devin Ford in the game, so we know they're going to throw the ball to 
him. Okay. Yeah. So, but it was nice to see him come in and they had enough confidence in him on the fourth down. But I agree with you. We haven't yet seen uh, from the young running backs them really separate themselves. I think it was exciting. Let, let's see how they do this coming week against Ohio. Um, a topic that really intrigued me, uh, Dustin, on defense, there was so much conversation about depth. And Manny Diaz played a lot of players. He, he tw- I believe, 23 of them got into the box score with tackles. And then there's Abdul Carter. Gets in the first play he's involved in. I have my take on it. I want to hear what you think of that play and the call and just the rule in general. Uh, I mean, it was an awkward play um, because it it was clearly a dead play that wasn't blown dead. And Abdul Carter is, you know, obviously excited. He's in there. He's trying to he's trying to make a play. So he, he, he arrives on the scene with a little energy there. I didn't see like I felt like his shoulder uh, ran into the offensive player's shoulder, and that was most of the impact with a little bit of head contact a- after that. So I felt like, you know, the punishment to, to get kicked out of the game for that penalty was exorbitant. Um, but you see online, you know, and this is the problem with the rule is that it's it's so interpretive. Um, everybody who, who had an anti Penn state slant or a pro Purdue slant was like, I don't see how you could believe that that wasn't targeting everybody who, you know, follows Penn state says, I don't see how you could think it was targeting. I, I, I really felt like I know it was kind of close, but I, I didn't really think that that was a targeting, uh, play. So then, you know, it, it's just so like the review of it then. You know, it really is kind of like if, if there's doubts of it, which is why you review it in the first place. When push comes to shove, there's a tie. It's going in the way of ejecting a player. And it's like, you know, that's just a really difficult situation for a, a true freshman linebacker in there. I, You know, he was excited to try and make a play. I don't think he it, it was form, uh, what, what he, how he came in there. But it was a weird play and a weird situation where he's kind of going for the ball to, you know, to, to lose him for a game just seemed kind of nonsensical to me. Yes, it was. And my feeling on the whole targeting thing should be, if you could find any reason not to call it targeting, that should be the case. Because the punishment for the crime is so great that if you're not sure, then don't mete out that penalty. And this one, you could argue, as you did, that he hit a shoulder first. You could argue that it wasn't really a defensive play, defenseless player. It was a loose ball that both guys were going after. And if you look hard at any fumble, I'll bet you you can see a lot of you know, head-on collisions with players. And then the part that really bothers me is the officials not blowing the whistle right away because they were like, well... If this wasn't a forward pass, then it's a fumble, so I need to swallow my whistle and let the play just go through. Well, by doing that, you created the problem. Another reason why not to punish the player for a mistake the officials made. So I I thought it was just an awful play, and I hope they'll do more review of it and, and change the rule. The only good thing is the team escaped with a win, and because it happened in the first half, he'll be back this week. If it had happened in the second half, he would have had to miss the first half of this next game. 
I think the easy solution here is like the the spirit of it is a protective rule, and I and I respect that. Um, but I do think you know there are two types of helmet or uh, face mask calls to make: a five yard version and a fifteen yard version. At the very least, I think you have two or three tiers of of targeting. One like this one where there is you know clearly kind of inadvertent head contact, uh, where maybe it's a five yard. Maybe there's helmet to helmet contact without malicious intent that might be fifteen yards, and then there might be just a reckless play altogether that's you know fifteen yards and an ejection or something. There, there's got to be. Some some gray area because there's so much gray area in the actual action itself that to have to, to just a broad brush, you hit a kid's helmet, you're out. Uh, it just, it's, it just seems like it's, it's overdue to try to, you know, add a little bit of nuance to that, that penalty, if that's what you want to call. It, exactly. I want to jump um, again to the defensive side. A lot of conversation about the defensive backs, which, had to be the case. You were going to have Purdue, who you know is going to chuck the ball around quite a bit. And I have a little bit of the same discussion point here as I did with Sean Clifford. There was a lot of criticism, and I'm reading message boards as the game's going on. Oh, these players are awful. Joey Porter is the worst defensive back in the world. You still ended up with a guy who, in um, Aiden O'Connell, who typically completes 70% of his passes. He only completed 50%. When the game really counted in the fourth quarter, it was, what, 7 for 20 that he was. The DBs broke up a lot of passes. I know there were a couple pass interference calls, but I'm saying how could you really argue with how they performed in that game? The number of pass breakups, I think, was like a record for Penn State. Yeah, I mean, as far as I saw in the box score, it was 15 passes uh, broken up there. Um, remember what I said last week? Like, you have to accept the fact that Purdue's going to have some success in, in the short passing game. That's what they're built on doing. They're, they'll gladly take what you're giving them again and again. They'll work the middle of the field. They, they've got, you know, like the the Charlie Jones kid is a, a little jitterbug for, from Iowa. Like, he's, he's a tough matchup. So, like, you have to be able to kind of keep battling the whole way through and understanding that they're they're going to do what they do and they're going to they're gonna get some catches. And, like, the way the game played out, it was like, it was perfectly that. 30 out of 60, uh, Aiden O'Connell, you know, the second team all Big Ten quarterback completed 30 out of 60 passes. And you think about dropping back and passing 60 times in the, in the, in the flow of that offense – you're going to get yourself into trouble sometimes. You know, they they put Joey Porter Jr. on an island. He had some bumpy moments early. He had that pass, pass interference. But, like, you know, he got picked on a lot, and he really came through and and delivered a nice game for them. Uh, and everybody had moments in, in that defensive backfield. I thought I thought Keaton Ellis was really good. Um, you saw the commitment to rotate, you know, uh, Zachy Wheatley in there who made a play. Uh, Jalen Reed was in there. So, like, I think the defensive backfield did its job and you cannot complain about Purdue dropping back and passing 60 times and getting 360 through the air. Of course, Aiden O'Connell is going to get 360 through the air if he throws it 60 times. That's exactly what you want against this offense. You have to give some type of credit to what the other team does sometimes. And like, as the game is flowing and it's going on and you're exaggerating every down, you feel like you shouldn't have missed that tackle or that shouldn't have been a completion, but it was like, 
sometimes you got to take a deep breath and like you have to realize that a drive is long and it takes a lot of work to sustain a drive. And then 60 minutes is long too. And it takes a lot of work to be successful for a lot of those 60 minutes. So I think Penn State's defense, they did what they had to do. It's going to get a little tighter. It's going to get a little bit better. The rotations that they use, it's going to pay off because guys are getting experience. Take a deep breath. This was a pretty good opening act, I think, on both sides of the ball. And two quick points. They were especially good in the fourth quarter when it counted. And one guy that you didn't mention who I'm going to throw out there because he's my guy, Daquan Hardy, made multiple plays. He really did. So that, that was all part of that defense, too. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number two. We got plenty more to talk about in quarter number three. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. With four different hoppy beers, the Hoppy Variety Pack is put together to easily please your whole crew. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. It is quarter number three. Dustin, it is game week again, but this one's the first home game against Ohio. It's time for football, and it's time for tailgating. No better way to tailgate than with gopsurv.com. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley, and Mark and his crew will have an RV all set up and waiting for you for the entire weekend. This year, KSN teaming up with GoPSURV.com, offering a special deal, $500 off your weekend for select games, including this Ohio game. So if you check in with Mark right away 
and tell him you want the KSN RV special. That number to reach Mark is 800-519-8467. A great way to enjoy the weekend in Happy Valley. Dustin, we are still talking about the Purdue game, reviewing different aspects of it. I got a chance, Dusty, to watch the replay, the one-hour Big Ten replay, which I love those. And one of the big plays was Johnny Dixon. First of all, he got a chance to play. He's one of the DBs we did not mention last segment. And I thought it was an interesting play on several levels. First of all, kind of an exotic blitz in that you had the cornerback coming in. Credit Manny Diaz for that. Johnny Dixon did not have a free run at the quarterback. He had to, he had a running back there one-on-one to block him. The running back whiffed because Johnny Dixon did a great job of avoiding him. And I think what gets missed is on the other side of the line, I believe it was on this play, and I noticed Chop Robinson, who was in as a defensive end, he was dropping back in coverage. So you had a cor- cornerback charging the quarterback, and you had a defensive end back in coverage. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it was a really nice play call in a key situation. And uh, I think when you have defensive ends who have a little bit of athleticism, have that sort of twitch and juice, uh, all you need is to buy that cornerback usually a, a half a second and he, he can get there. You know, it's one of those unique ways where you can get a really fast guy coming from uh, at an angle that's in pretty close proximity to the to the line of scrimmage where he's not coming from a mile away because that's what it was going to take. And I felt like in this game, you had to get a little creative by you know creating that route to the quarterback with a guy like Johnny Dixon because you weren't going to have a lot of time. There wasn't going to be a lot of Aiden O'Connell clutches. Uh, there wasn't going to be a lot of real deep drops. I mean, you ha- only had a limited amount of time to get in his face and try to make a play. And so I thought the play call was great at that point. It was great for the situation and for the opponent. And it was a great individual effort by Johnny Dixon to sidestep the running back and without really losing a step and get to the quarterback. And it's like, man, that's, that's some pretty good pass rush skills uh, for a guy like Johnny Dixon, who is a reserve cornerback. And it's definitely something that, you know, makes you think, you know, him coming and bringing some heat uh, is going to be a common thing. Uh, Manny Diaz, I do think he's going to get a chance to be more creative against other offenses because Purdue just, you know, the quick release and the quick, the quick passing game was tough. But, you know, as you mentioned before, the defense, and I think Manny Diaz came up clutch late in this game, and this was a really good example of a creative play call and a very well-executed pass rush by your cornerback. It, it really was, and they came up big late in the game. Penn State won the fourth quarter, and uh, just for comparison's sake, they did a whole lot better in the fourth quarter than North Carolina did. They gave up 40 points in the fourth quarter to Appalachian State. I say the numbers, and it's still unbelievable, and it has nothing to do with this conversation, Dusty, except I had to mention it. It, It was so outstanding. (laughs) <laughs> Let's move on. Let's get back to Penn State Purdue. Um, jumping around offense, defense, I do want to hit on the offensive line. Such a major topic of conversation. It seemed like the quarterback was protected fairly well, Dusty, but we didn't see much of a running game going. And if there was one guy who kind of stuck out 
by his struggles. It was Caden Wallace, and I think it had a lot of meaning at the end of the game with the game on the line. Caden Wallace was not on the field. Bryce Effner was. I mean, you're going with the guy who who clearly is giving you a better chance in pass protection. You know, like, I, I, it's really hard to keep throwing the same tackle out there. And I know James Franklin said that this was by design. It was rotational. And, you know, they were rotating interior guys. We expected the interior rotation. Caden Wallace is not somebody who should rotate out of a game. You know, if, if he's the guy that, that you thought he was, he's not a guy who should rotate out of the game. So to me, you know, he is a, he has been a liability in pass protection because he's humongous. And I feel like the ship has sailed a little bit to get him at a more natural position, which in my opinion, I've said this a bunch of times, is probably as, as a guard. You know, he's not the guy that you really want playing on an island against a, a quick defensive end. So if that means rotating, if that means Bryce Efner maybe gets a look at the starting job, I don't know. I don't know really what that means going forward. But to me, it's a continuation on what we saw in 2021 where Caden Wallace just wasn't good enough to handle good pass rushers. And I don't. I still don't think that that's there. Um, so I don't think it's you know, at technical as much as it is just a natural limitation that he's got. So now what do you do with that limitation? Do you still rotate, which I think is probably going to be the case this weekend, but if, if it continues and pass rushers, st- you know, ha- have, you know, open season from that side, I think we're going to see more of Bryce Efner as we go. That th- that's got to get buttoned up. You, you can't just not be able to get your hands on somebody. He, that, that's got to change. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we will see that rotation, and Caden Wallace is going to have to step up his game, or you know what will turn into 50-50 is going to turn into 25-75 ratio of playing. Talking about the lines, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the defensive line. We know that Manny Diaz wants to get pressure on the quarterback. This may not have been a fair test in that Aiden O'Connell will get the ball out quickly, but how much credence can I put into this that it looked like late in the game when everything was on the line, it seemed like they did step up the pressure. And I mentioned Chop Robinson earlier, you know, dropping back in the coverage, but a couple, I know he wasn't credited for a sack, but on that last play, he hit the quarterback and it looked like there were a couple plays there. He was a handful to handle. Yeah, I think where there's some obvious passing situations, uh, it's a really good thing to see Manny Diaz kind of respond to the challenge late. It's also good to see that the personality of the defense is that they were able to make plays in that defining situation. My question to you, I think, would be, how much? So a big game, a conference game in week one, you're on the road. I still don't think it's a situation where coordinators throw the kitchen sink out there. I still think that there was stuff held back, you know, until it was absolutely necessary to, to need stops. You know, I think I, I feel like there was some of that going on where Manny Diaz, we didn't see all of Manny Diaz by any means at all for a variety of reasons, but including that one where he's got more. Um, some more chaotic things up his sleeve, I think, as the season goes on. I think it's also a case, Dusty, is he's been with this group since, what, December when he was hired, but I'm not sure he knows yet what he has, what he's working with. And I think it takes this game. Now, normally you would have 
a game or two like Ohio, you know, a Mac game or two, to try to figure that out and get the feel for it. Instead, he was thrown into the fire, and especially when you're talking about putting pressure on the quarterback, you've got a Purdue team that's pretty good at throwing the ball, very efficient at throwing the ball, has a six-year quarterback who's it's going to be hard to force him into making mistakes, and he gets rid of the ball quickly. So I'm not going to judge too much that, oh, how come they didn't have five, six sacks in this game? But I do think it was uh, important that they did come up big later in the game. Uh, Dustin, before we finish up with you, because we have another guest for our fourth uh, quarter, I did want to get to the special teams, which is forgotten when they don't make any glaring errors. But uh, we've got a punter, don't we? I I would say so. You know, eight punts, 46.9 yard average. Uh, He had two punts down inside the 10, should have had two punts down inside the five as well, uh, and three inside the 10. I mean, you talk about consistent and dynamic. Barney Amore was terrific in the game, and there was really no doubt about it. The ball came off his foot the same way every single time, no shanks or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean... Uh, you talk about a guy who who went out and won the job in in uh, dominant fashion, and then came out and did it here. Like to me, there's no concern about that. You know, there wasn't there wasn't one down punt that I saw. There wasn't one oof moment. You know, and that's why he's in the game in the first place. Punt return, I think, is in great hands in Parker Washington. Uh, really good at tracking the ball. Really good after he catches it. Pretty good veteran judgment. So really, we talked about before managing that risk and reward of, of at, at, at your punt returner. Ideally, you'd love to have a, an explosive athlete back there, but somebody who has the coaching staff's trust. That's Parker Washington. Uh, kickoffs look to be in pretty good shape. And, you know, we don't know yet really Jake Pinnegar what he is or isn't at this point, or Sanders Sahadak or whoever that is, because there were no play, uh, field goals attempted. Kickoff return, yeah, we'll see. I think um, – I think a lot of times they're going to fair catch that thing anyway, but to have Nick Singleton back there and some other guys. So all in all, I mean, so much change in the special teams. Basically every position changed, and this came, this came out to a real, like, grade A type performance. Yeah, I was uh, especially impressed also with the punting. He He did a great job. Punt return, I remember mentioning this a year ago with Jahan Dotson, he made some exciting returns, but my favorite aspect of Jahan Dotson was I never got nervous when it was time for a punt return, which I used to do. Okay, first game now, Parker Washington. I've, I'm now kind of feeling that same way. I feel he's going to catch the ball, isn't he? He is going to catch the ball, and he does offer you a pretty good chance at, at, a, at a good return, which we saw with the one that came back because his forearm touched the ground. He's a pretty special guy with the ball in his hands. He's a, he's a running back slash wide receiver, and uh, he's pretty pretty fearless back there and, and has terrific hands. We saw him track the ball down at some odd angles, and there was just never a doubt, which is what you love, and it's especially what James Franklin loves. I, I'm sure he does. All right, Dusty, that is it for quarter number three. Quarter number four, we have a new guest on from OnwardState.com. That's Ryan Parsons. He was at the game. He's going to give us his perspective, especially on some of those youngsters, the new players. who he was. He's going to give us his first impressions of, of those guys coming in. So you want to stick around for that. 
New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pre-game tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante with my guest, Ryan Parsons, associate editor and football reporter at Onward State. Onward State, it's a student-run news website serving the Penn State community. You can find Ryan's work along with that of all his colleagues at onwardstate.com. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. How are you doing? Great. Uh, we get to talk about a win, which was not assured until the last couple minutes of that game. So I'm in a little better mood than I would be otherwise. Wanted to have you on. You wrote an interesting article this week at, at onwardstate.com highlighting some of the young players who flashed throughout this first game. Road game, Big Ten game at Purdue. Let's start talking about what most fans are talking about, which is the quarterback position. Drew Aller, I don't know about you, I was a little surprised when he was designated the backup for this game. And I don't think many of us thought we'd be seeing him so quickly, but here we were, hostile road environment in the first game, and Drew Aller was on the field. Yeah, that was the biggest shock because... Well, before the game leading up to it, uh, Franklin named Aller QB2, which for a lot of people was surprising just because of he looked so raw in the preseason and the blue-white game looked like a obviously a great talent that's going to possibly play a lot in the future, but he just didn't look like he was game-ready. So people were 
assuming that Veyer was going to be the backup. Um, and let alone the week before, next thing you know, Aller's number two. Next thing you know, Clifford's in the locker room and Aller is going to play. So there was the, it, it felt a lot of like the Iowa game last year where Clifford just disappeared. And we're going to say, hey, what does this number two guy have? And there was a lot of, um, I guess, anticipation suddenly waiting for him to come in, which just added another element to the game. It really did. And I was surprised by Franklin's announcement that Aller was number two, especially because of this first game being a road conference game. I'd like to get your take on this. Uh, You were at the game, I believe, watching on TV. I just got the sense that the moment, though, wasn't too big for him. He seemed to be very confident in his body language. I know it was only one series, only a handful of passes, but he seemed to pass the looks test. Yeah, so when Clifford first went to the locker room, a lot of people in the press box were saying, what if Aller being the backup was a bluff? Like, what if Franklin was just saying that to kind of generate some excitement? And what if Veyor is going to come in? But no, Aller, it was actually Aller and Aller and Pribula, the other true freshmen, both had their helmets on and were throwing with each other, and Veyor was on the bench. Um, but when he came in, I I was expecting a what we saw last year with Taquan Roberson when he came in against Iowa. Something I, I wasn't expecting that, but that was kind of the precedent. But yeah, Aller looked composed. He was um, two for four with 26 yards, I believe, was his stat line. Should have been three for four if Tyler Warren didn't drop one of those pa- the The pass he threw to Tyler Warren was a was an absolute dime. That was a um, something that any fan would be excited about. Um, so that would have been three for four. Who knows where the drive could have gone from there. But yeah, he was composed in the pocket. He escaped the pocket only when he needed to, and um, he made the one throw on the run to Tinsley. So all the tools that people expected him to have, he at least flashed them in just the the few plays we saw. In all of this, though, Ryan, I feel so bad for Tyler Warren. There were several other drops, more more egregious drops. But that's the one everyone talks about. You know, he would have been three for four if Tyler Warren catches the ball. If if there was a, a negative, and this might be nitpicking, I thought the one play, I guess it was third down, where... He could have escaped the pocket. He escaped the pocket. He probably could have run for the first down very easily, but instead chose to throw the ball. Maybe that's nitpicking, but I think that's just part of the learning, the decision-making process, right? Yeah, I, I noticed that as well. And what my theory was that Yursich um, or Franklin instructed him not to leave the pocket, just um, not to dumb the offense down for him, but kind of just first collegiate experience on the road that environment i think that they might have told him escape the pocket if you need to but don't look to run and uh, don't look to use your legs if you don't have to um he made the one mistake throwing behind i think it was tinsley uh on third down which ended the drive but yeah my theory was that he was instructed not to run because like you said there was i think one or two opportunities where the entire field was in front of him and he chose just to, to wait and let the play develop through the air instead yeah, I, I agree, and I think the they're so vulnerable, these quarterbacks, when they're running, especially if Aller's playing in place of an injured uh, Clifford. You don't need another quarterback to go down. On uh, At another position, running back, I think we've had so much anticipation for Nick Singleton and also Katron Allen. Not as big a surprise to see those two, but boy... Um, both of them were part of the full ro- three-man rotation at running back. 
Yeah, I, that was kind of expected coming into this game. Franklin had said that Allen and Singleton were going to be involved. And Singleton, he actually had more carries. And well, him and uh, Kevon both had nine carries. But when Singleton came in on that second drive and his first play was that, I think, eight or nine yard gain up the middle, everyone was saying, I don't want to make comparisons to another Penn State running back, but that looked awesome. And then Allen had a similar moment on his first play. Um, it was it was impressive to see Allen did well in uh, pass blocking as well. I think he was the go-to guy on that final game-winning drive. He caught a pass from Clifford in the flat. Um, I Obviously, none of them ran for more than 31 yards, which was Allen's mark, but it's hard not to be excited about what we saw, what could be in the future. On this show, Ryan, I've often talked about how we all get enamored with the shiny new object, the shiny new running back, the shiny new quarterback. Trying to take a step back from that kind of bias, can you do a bit of a comparison? I know small sample size from the one game between Kevon Lee and the two freshmen and what you saw. Yeah, so I think Singleton especially um, shows much more burst than Kevon Lee which is something that he's also Lee has faced a lot of criticism from, especially. And now this is his third year and still there'll be a hole from him, but he won't hit it as hard. Um, he did on, on one play towards the end of the game. That was the uh, longest rushing play of the game at 12 yards. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's often like with Aller, it's the same thing. It's the guy, this, the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy on the team. And now the backup running backs are um, people have kind of seen the run game, struggle in the past and just the the notion of having new guys to potentially fill those roles is very exciting but I think as true freshmen coming in and playing that amount I think the team views them on the same level as as Kevon at this point obviously Kevon is the number one guy but I think truly they are talented and truly are playing at a high level where they either of Allen or Singleton could earn the starting role in a couple of weeks. So I, I think it does go beyond the uh, shiny new toy test. I think they are um, like Allen. He, he had more yards than any other rusher on the team. So it's, it's kind of like a, a why not situation. And I get the feeling that it, it'll just take one of these games for say Singleton to have a breakout game, you know, when he has, 30 yards, the same as Kevon Lee. It's a little more difficult to say, okay, now Singleton's the guy. I think they're looking for a breakout for, from him so they can declare him the guy. A couple other positions where we had young players, some of them not necessarily true freshmen, although I'll, I will give you one other. Uh, quick appearance from Abdul Carter at linebacker. Quick. It seemed like... Yeah, but he was in very early. That, to yeah. me, was the indicator. This coaching staff does trust him. Now, I believe it's a combo of a lack of depth, that linebacker. But they sure had them in the game, had him in the game early, didn't they? Yeah, and I think that they planned to use him a lot throughout the game. Um, even Curtis Jacobs got hurt. He plays at the, the will position. And I think um, Carter is his true backup there. So I think when when um, Jacobs got hurt, they had to go to Jamari Budden instead. And the linebacker death is an issue, but I think at that will position is where they have the most death. It's Jacobs, and then behind him is is Carter and Jamari Budden, who are both promising talents. But yeah, if even after he got ejected after that targeting play, uh, the rule changed now so that you're allowed to stay 
on the sideline and he was he was there walking around i had my eyes on him because at first i said didn't he get ejected but i remember the rule changed and um he was he was hyping guys up towards the end of the game when uh they made all the stops he was there um so i i think he has a bright future as well real quick while we're on the topic of abdul carter I know I have my thoughts, which I've already expressed on this show. I'd just like to hear what your take was on that call. Um, it was hard to see it in, in real time. I think um, I think he was going for the ball. Um, the play was dead. And I, I, what Franklin said after the game was, it's hard to not lead with your head when your head is on top of your shoulders. Um, but I think... I I think it was a mistake at the end of the day. Um, the play was obviously dead, but the, I think the call was in the call when it couldn't go either way. I think it's easier just for the player to kind of, um, I guess not just, just to let the play die. Um, he was obviously playing through the whistle is what he was trying to do, but um, it wasn't a massive mistake, but I think that's, he should have just let the play die when he knows that how the rule, how, how soft, I guess the rule is and how um, much it wants to protect players. My, my quick thought on it, it, on television, I didn't hear a whistle. I thought that the officials were late in blowing the whistle. One of those, well, gee, we don't want to blow the whistle dead just in case it was not a forward pass. It was a backward pass. Then it's a fumble. So we don't want to blow the whistle early. So we swallow the whistle, which meant the play kept going. I thought the officials were as much to blame on the play as anybody else because of that. Now, you were at the game. Were you able to hear a whistle early, or was I right in saying it was a late whistle? No, I think the whistle was definitely late. Um, but it was it was one of those things where I guess the call could have gone either way. And and those the the current rules is they want to protect the players more than um, keep someone in the game. So I guess they erred on the side of caution there. But yeah, um, it was it was so such a thin line that it's hard to say that he made a mistake. But it's it's hard to but. The, the officials definitely were a little bit late there. I, I think so, too. And for what it's worth, my opinion is if if the targeting call is close, they should err on the side of not ejecting the player because the penalty is so great. I get it. If it's a headhunting type of event, safety of the players, I get that. But other than that, uh, let the players play. Ryan, I had said something to you before we got started, how fast this will go. That is already it for our time. Remember, you can get more from Ryan at onwardstate.com. Ryan, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jim. And that's it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. With four different hoppy beers, the Hoppy Variety Pack is put together to easily please your whole crew. 
It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000.